Welcome to the Ginghamsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a second to download the Ginghamsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step in your journey with Jesus. Can we give our praise team a round of applause, please? Hello to you all, and as always, it is a pleasure and a privilege to be here with you today. I love coming out here. I love the way uh, you guys make me feel loved and special. I just really, really appreciate that, so thank you very much. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Pastor Carl, and I'm the lead pastor of our Fort McKinley campus of Ginghamsburg Church. Amen. I'm coming here today to talk to you guys about a few things. The first thing I want us to know is this. The story is not over. The story is not over. Somebody say amen. The story is not over, church. As, As we saw in the connections, Dan talked about the fact that the book of Acts has 28 chapters. And at the end of that 28th chapter, it ends rather abruptly, kind of quickly. What I want to say to you today is, there is another chapter in the book of Acts. It's the 29th chapter. And guess what that chapter is? That chapter is you and me. We are literally writing the the 29th chapter as we speak. Amen? So today we've come to the end of the book of Acts, challenging the status quo. Acts tells the story of the Holy Spirit on the move into the world, and it's sometimes called called the fifth gospel, a continuation of the gospel of Luke. The book of Acts is remarkable in many ways. It records the beginning of the church and the birth of the early church. The momentum of Acts is found in chapter 1 and verse 8, where Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now the first seven chapters of Acts records Jesus at work by the Holy Spirit through the apostles in Jerusalem. Chapters eight through 12 demonstrates Jesus at work through the apostles in Judea and Samaria. And the remainder of the book is devoted to Jesus at work by the Holy Spirit through the apostles unto the uttermost parts of the earth. But then the book of Acts ends rather abruptly. The 28th chapter of Acts, verses 30 and 31, which is the last two verses of this book. Luke writes, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. It almost doesn't seem complete as it breaks off with Paul in his own rented house in Rome. Doesn't seem to have the proper ending and I will venture to say to you you today that perhaps that's because the book of Acts is a continuing story. 
a continuance that we are still unified after two centuries with these very disciples and apostles. What keeps us in that unity is the charge of the Great Commission, where Jesus says in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Amen? So today, church, I'm just going to put it out there that chapter 29 is to be lived by you and I and read throughout the world. Whether you have given your life to Christ or you are still struggling with your faith, we are all writing a story with our lives, a chapter at a time, and we really want that story to count. The question I have for us is, what story is your next chapter telling? Church, are we content simply going to church, singing a few songs, hearing a word as usual, and going home to wait until next Sunday to do it all over again? In my developmental years, I thought that if I went to church and prayed the prayers and gave my money and my time, I was doing what was necessary to be considered a believer and a Jesus follower. I read my Bible, did my daily bread devotional, I said my prayers before every meal, I got involved in the life of the church, but check, but check this out, when church let out, I went right back to Carl's status quo. My own ways, my own modes of operation. My friends, that is just the surface of faith. And I've lived there for many years, even before I made my commitment to living the Jesus life. The fact is, I didn't realize I'd been called to live out a new chapter of faith in the real world. I didn't realize God wanted me to share my story to offer hope to those around me. So someone may say, well, Pastor Carl, how can I tell, how can I begin telling a story worthy of living? How can I be a part of the 29th chapter of Acts? How can I be writing, be a part of writing a gospel each chapter a day by the deeds that we do and the words that we say? Others read what we write in those chapters, whether it's faithless or true, but church, what is the gospel according to you? There's a story of a town that had a statue of Jesus with his arms overstretched, like the one in Rio de Janeiro. One day a storm came and blew the statue of Jesus over and broke it. The people worked diligently to repair that statue. And when it was finished, everything was back in place except for the hands and the feet. They couldn't be found. So as a result of the incomplete representation of Jesus, the people began to panic and they were gonna take the statue down. Then an old wise man came and he had a plaque in his hands. He set it in front of the statue and simply walked away. 
The people wondered who this man was because no one recognized him or even knew where he came from. The plaque said, and I quote, the statue has no hands or feet, but you must be the hands and feet. You must do the work he will have you do, and you must go where he would have you to go. So how do we, come the, how do we become the 29th chapter of Acts? We must be his hands and feet, church. We must do what he wants us to do. We must go where he wants us to go. We must say what he wants us to say, and we must live how he wants us to live. The 29th chapter of Acts is not written in ink. It will never be in the Bible. But the 29th chapter of Acts is what God is calling us to produce. God is calling us to produce disciples who make disciples who make disciples. We're literally called to produce ourselves because transformed people produce transformed people. Somebody say amen. amen. The 29th chapter of Acts just doesn't sit in the sanctuary on Sunday mornings clapping hands and singing the songs. The people of the 29th chapter of Acts are willing to leave the comfort of the church building and go out to people, meeting them and ministering to them where they are. This very feeling began to well up in me some years after I started really going to church faithfully and regularly. I just felt like God was compelling me to do more than worship in the building. God was calling me to demonstrate God's love and compassion to people who weren't coming in a building. Back in this day, and living in Dayton at the time, I was an avid basketball player and I would play all around the city. But since I lived on Salem Avenue, which is one of the main thoroughfares in the city of Dayton, and actually only a few short miles from Fort McKinley Church, I would frequently play at McIntosh Park. Now, let's talk about McIntosh Park. <laughs> this park was in a rough side of town where there was plenty of violence, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, various crimes taking place all over the place. It was also filled with homelessness and hopelessness. Nonetheless, though, since it was technically in my community, I felt compelled to visit there frequently, and I could literally feel God pointing me to that park. Now, true confession. Normally back in the day, whenever I played basketball, I would talk a little trash, okay? Because the truth of the matter was, I was difficult to stop on a basketball court. If you're bigger, people think you're slow. I wasn't slow. I was very fast, I was very quick, and I could really, really jump. I'm only six foot two, but in my day, I've been in four dunk competitions against guys 6'9 and dunking two balls at the same time. I never won one, but I came in third on a couple of them. <laughs> My point is, I was a heck of an athlete, all right? So, so I would talk a little trash. So if you're guarding me, and I'm at the top of the key, and you tried to reach to get the ball out, I would say, don't reach, don't reach, because when you reach, I teach, <laughs> right? 
So if he would give me the jumper and I hit it, I'm like, man, you better get out here and guard me. I'm gonna be here all day. I can do this all day, man. You gotta move your feet, man. Don't foul me, move your feet, right? Or if I went in for a layup, they didn't understand that I was ambidextrous. So I could go up right-handed, switch in midair, and shoot left-handed. Then I'd run down the court holding my left hand like this, like. <laughs> that was the left, that was the left. So I talked a little trash. Nothing hurtful, but I talked a little trash. Now here's the funny thing. When I played at Macintosh Park, I was quiet. <laughs> Man, they had some dudes down there. I'm like, mm-mm, I'm not getting them upset. I was quiet, I was polite, and I was non-confrontational. If I fouled one of those guys, my bad, man, your ball, your ball, didn't mean to do that. We're good, we're good, right? Non-confrontational. I wasn't quite sure that my Youngstown trash talking would be acceptable in this Dayton park, so I just shut my mouth and played the game, mostly for self-preservation purposes, yes. So in fact, after a while, because of my demeanor, I was accepted by all the guys who showed up to play, even though some of these dudes were dangerous and a bit scary. I was small at that park, and I'm 6'2", 260 pounds. I was a little guy. So you make a bucket, shut your mouth, get back down the court, all right? So one day, there was a pretty bad confrontation between some of the guys on the court, and I just could not stand there and let that happen. In a split second, I could feel God saying, Carl, speak up and get involved. So with a little bit of courage and a whole lot of discomfort, I got in the way of the confrontation and stopped the potential fight or what may have even been worse. I did that because I realized these these guys are God's children too, amen? And they really saw who I was because they had been reading me ever since I started playing ball with them. They could see the story that I was writing, a chapter at a time, by my deeds and by my words, and as a result of that, they trusted me. Not only was there no more fighting, but they started calling me Rev. You gonna play with us today, Rev? Yeah, let's play. They started calling me Rev whenever I came to play. I like that. They also asked me to come early on the days we played so I could do some Bible study for them and possibly answer any spiritual questions that they had. It was a little bit uncomfortable, but in my experience, that's how you know God is in it. God is in the uncomfortable. What I've come to find out is that you can only do the uncommon when you get into uncharted territory, and that's what McIntosh Park was for me. Sometimes God allows the uncomfortable to get you out of the familiar. And so he breaks us out of our comfort zones to reshape us so that we can become who God desires us to be. We cannot get to growth by being comfortable. I've learned that discomfort is the very language of growth. And what we're going through right now is growing pains. But the issue is we keep fighting it, thinking that the process is punishment. 
Do I need to remind us that Jesus already took the punishment on the cross when he died for the redemption of our sins? Do I need to remind you that he redeemed us from the penalty of sin and death while we were yet sinners? He died for the ungodly. Do we need a reminder today that he will never leave us, that he will never forsake us, even until the end of the age? that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So please let us stop thinking that we're being punished when the debt was already paid by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. The reality is, this process is developing our power. This process is developing our strength. This process is developing our clarity. This process is developing our know-how. So stay in the process, church, and get used to the uncomfortable. Get used to the awkward so that God can take you into uncharted territory to do the uncommon for God's glory. Somebody say amen. My friends, are we willing to be uncomfortable enough to write that next chapter without fear? so people can see the transforming work that God has done in each and every one of us. Because when Jesus interacts with people, it changes their circumstances and life in astounding ways. The disciples went from being fishermen, tax collectors, and physicians to being the foundation of the church that we serve today. Blind Bartimaeus was changed from living in darkness to walking into the light. The woman with the health issue in her blood was changed from being a dying outcast to being a living daughter of God. The demon-possessed man who lived among the tombs was changed as a demonstration to the rest of the city of what God can do. The woman at Nain was changed from a grieving parent to a mother full of unspeakable joy when Jesus touched her dead son's coffin. And all 10 lepers, all changed from being unclean to clean, from being ostracized to included. These miracles were not done by Jesus staying in the synagogue church or in his comfort zone but were shared out among the people where they lived and where they worked. It is time for us to get off the bookshelf and be living epistles of Jesus Christ. We must become a community of the open book, easily accessible and read by all. I have a tag on my book bag that says, everywhere you go, preach Christ. And when necessary, use words. Isn't that amazing? People are reading us. We are living epistles. What are they, what are they reading in you? What are they reading in me? How do we preach Christ without using words? By living our lives in such a way that people can read it in our actions. People can read it in our responses. 
People can read it in our walk and in our talk. That's how. Truth of the matter is, it's easy to become comfortable and complacent. Everybody inside of the church walls, they know us, knows our story. Everybody in church knows our testimony. But it is time to step forward into the 29th chapter of Acts to become epistles, to be read by all. To be the 29th chapter, we'll have to get out of the way and get in God's way. You see, church, we are epistles. The ink is the Spirit of God in us, and the paper is your heart. Your heart. God has written his word in our hearts by his spirit so that the world will see us as the living manifestations of his word. Jesus brought life. Jesus brought light. Jesus brought love, hope, and forgiveness to all. So we must step out in faith, offering the same message to a world in desperate need of a savior. This idea of being the 29th chapter of Acts is epitomized by a man at our Fort McKinley campus named Brian Flora. For the past three years, I've seen Brian being the hands and feet of Jesus in service to others. He's never shied away from the uncomfortable and the awkward as he serves in various capacities at the fort. From his incredible work at meeting people where they are through our hospitality ministry, to befriending those with physical challenges, to crossing racial lines for righteousness sake, to the homesteading that he and his wife Shannon do at their house. Brian is living into the 29th chapter of Acts. Through our hospitality ministry, Brian met a member of our church named Marvin. Marvin is a middle-aged African-American man. And on one of the first days that Marvin came to the fort, he was struggling to get up our ramp and was limping badly. Brian noticed this and immediately went to Marvin's aid and saw that Marvin couldn't get his shoes on. So he got him in the building, sat him down, unlaced his shoes, and that's when it hit him. That is when Brian realized that Marvin had artificial legs. Now, for most of us, we probably would have frozen right there. But Brian did not let that stop him from serving Marvin in his time of need. Right? He stepped out of his comfort zone because he felt and still feels that God has placed him in a position to make small differences in the lives of others small differences in the lives of others. What if we all made small differences in the lives of others? You know what would happen? Families would be transformed. Neighborhoods would be transformed. Communities would be transformed. Counties would be transformed. Cities would be transformed. Our state would be transformed. And watch this, our whole country could be transformed if we all did just a little bit to help somebody else's life. Marvin told me 
that when he saw that Brian would just not, he just wouldn't give up and was so persistent in trying to help him, he knew right then and there that Brian is a true friend. And these two have been best buddies ever since. When they talk to each other, they gotta touch each other. Like Brian will have his hand on his shoulder and Marvin will be holding Brian's hand with both of his. And they're just talking. Whenever they talk, they gotta touch each other. So that's what you see here. Now, let me explain this from my perspective. I was in the church office and I was walking to the sanctuary to have our huddle. It is a time where we get the whole worship team together, praise team, hospitality, whomever else is a part of worship, and we literally go through the order of worship for the day. It's how we all get on the same page. We do the same thing here. So I'm on my way to go and run the huddle. As I'm walking up the steps, I have to make a left into the sanctuary, but right at the doors of the sanctuary, Brian and Marvin were on the other end of that door. So I'm walking towards them, but I can't tell what I'm looking at. I was like, then I started to think, you know, I probably need a little bit of time off. I must be exhausted because I think I'm hallucinating. I wasn't sure what I was looking at, but what I saw was Brian had one artificial leg on his shoulder and he has a, a tennis shoe and he's like smacking it, popping it, trying to get it on there. He's like, I'll get it, I'll get it, bang, bang. And I didn't, I freaked out for a second. I, I didn't know, I, what are you doing? I didn't know what was going on. So I was getting ready to come and speak to him, but God caught me and was like, Carl, Brian has this, you go take care of the huddle. I was like, all right, man, all right. That's how I talked to God, because I met God in Youngstown, and we, we, that's how Youngstown people talk to each other. I'm like, all right, man, this looks crazy. I don't know what to tell you. All right, I'll go do what you want me to do, but can you see about this? So I go into the sanctuary, the whole praise team looks at me, and they're like, Pastor Carl, are you okay? And I was like, I don't know, I'm not sure. I, I know I need a couple days off. I'm hallucinating, that's for sure. I don't know. So we, we powered on through it. Service that day was incredible, and I think it was incredible because there was just this spirit of compassion in the room that day that Brian lit off, in my opinion. I remember worship being really good. So after church, you know, I got to talk to Brian as the pastor, right, after church. So I see Brian. I'm like, uh, Brian, can I talk to you for a minute? And uh, he's forgotten about it completely. He goes, yeah, pastor, what's up? What do you need? I'm like, you mean to tell me you don't know what I'm about to ask you? He was like, no, what, what's the matter? What happened? I said, Brian, did I see you with Marvin's legs in your hands and you were smacking and slapping shoes on him? He was like, he busted out laughing. He's like, yeah, man, we got him squared away. I'm like, Brian, I want to tell you to leave people's artificial legs alone. I don't know what to say right now, but I'm freaked out a little bit. Brian accomplished this by overcoming his discomfort to model the grace, the love, and compassion of God while at the same time making his friend and our world just a little bit better. That's not status quo living, my friends. As the 29th chapter of Acts, others read us and see Christ reflected in us. When God's children experience feeling valued, loved, and treasured, it is then that hearts will begin to unfold like flowers before God. 
It is then that understanding is restored. It is then that grace can truly begin its work of rebuilding the human soul. In a significant way, this coming week, the Ginghamsburg movement begins a new season, a new chapter in the work of God in us and through us. And what a great time to be in prayer, to be preparing ourselves for Pastor Dennis and his wife Rachel and all the new possibilities coming our way. So let us be the next chapter of Acts and get prepared for the new thing that God is going to do through Pastor Miller because, listen to me, church, the story isn't over. Somebody say amen. In fact, this is our calling, Ginghamsburg. Let us move forward in faith, challenging the status quo. As you go today, remember, we are writing a gospel, a chapter each day by the deeds that we do and by the words that we say. Others read what we write, whether faithless or true. So church, what is the gospel according to you? Before I leave, I just wanna give you one quick thing. May, may your struggle keep you near the cross. May your troubles show that you need God. May your battles in the way they should. And may your bad days prove that God is good. Let your whole life prove that God is good. May your struggle keep you near the cross. May your troubles show I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. 
First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you'd like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Ginghamsburg app or online at ginghamsburg.org.